This is a HeadGum Podcast. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello, Halflings! It's me, Jasper William Cartwright, and I am joined today by... Jeremy Cobb, but Joe Rowe the Inappropro calls me Cobbzilla. Cobbzilla! Yeah, yes. Cobbzilla. Yes. How great of a name is Joe Rowe the Inappropro, by the way? Joe Rowe the Inappropro. Inappropro? Or gen- Inappropro. Inappropro. Wow. Yeah. Man, that is very Joe good. Rowe the Inappropro. Yeah, that's really as is, good. As is Cobbzilla. I enjoy Cobbzilla quite a lot. I think yeah. the... Um, I think you have appeared as Cobbzilla in my dreams a few times, you know? When we've mm. Zoomed each other... You know, every single day of a week talking about mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons. I imagine that at some point in my dreams, a large building stomping Jeremy Cobb has appeared uh, at some point. You know, it's only natural. A face, I think. a face and torso just looming over the horizon. Yeah, a bit uh, like a, a, a titan. Uh, yeah, like yes, a colossal exactly. titan from uh, Attack on Titan. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Oh my! Um, the Cobblossal, the Cobblossal Titan. <laughs> yes, the Cobblossal Titan. That's amazing. Yeah. Um. So a little fun thing before we dig into this week's episode. I played twenty six hours of D anD D this weekend. <laughs> that is a huge amount of D anD D. It what was a was the context wild of amount of D anD D. Um. I had two friends over. I hadn't seen either of them in multiple years but we've been playing a campaign together and um we decided we were going to get together uh we were going to like like rent like a cottage or something at first and then we just basically decided to do it here uh, at my house and we uh basically they arrived on saturday and we played all the way through to like midday on monday uh and it was uh it was wild like being the dm for a session that long wow like yeah. mental mental gymnastics. Uh, yeah, just basically how so how long was it before you had to resort to improv, just full improv? Well, I think basically I approached the session very differently whereby I didn't do a lot of like specific planning for like moment to moment like or like this is going to happen and this is going to happen kind of thing. I basically mm-hmm. just went, right, what's the world they're in? Let's fill out like this town and this town and this town and this town and that city. Uh, and I've got some people and they're going to try and do this. They want this. That's their motivation. That's their motivation. And then basically they were just kind of dropped in the middle of it. And then mm. from the beginning, pretty much, I was just like, okay, I'm basically improvising, but I have a rough idea of some things I'd like to happen and some where some NPCs are going to be if they don't interact with them or if they do or et cetera, et cetera. And so it basically just went like that. But um yeah, it was absolutely wild. I tell you what mm. I did do. I bought like monster cards for the first time, just like actual really? physical monster cards. And I can't tell you how helpful they were just oh, as like wow. visual cues for me because I wanted to like be able to throw in encounters and have them feel like they were alive and not just like 
I'm trying to force them over into like a woods or whatever. So like if we mm-hmm. stayed in the city for ages, we could still have like a, a, a like some sort of encounter or something happen in the city. And so I could literally just scroll. I picked out, I basically spent a bit of time on Saturday and picked out a bunch of cards uh, that kind of like, I was like, right, these could be kind of foresty encounters. These could be ocean encounters. These could be, you know, and then it, mm-hmm. it just meant that I was like sitting there, they were improvising or they're role playing. And I just go, oh, that, that this, this would be a sick next encounter, uh, you know, and basically just sort of had those in my back pocket and it, the, just the visual of them being there and because then I, I didn't have to click off any screens that I had up with very neat necessary tabs <laughs> which made it so yeah. much easier for me to actually try and keep uh, keep on top of it so uh, yeah really good and plus also I just feel like I threw in more unique monsters like I normally mm. I have like a very much like a go to list of like monsters oh you have a stable but this time you yes. had to open the stable doors indeed let indeed. more monsters and in exactly exactly that and so there was quite a few uh, weird and wonderful uh, monsters that, that came out to play uh, but yeah, overall, a very, very fun experience. Great RP. A lot slower than on Zoom, actually, which was interesting. Like when we know we had time and we were in person, you know, everything felt a little bit more slow and kind of we've really got to know the characters and their motivations and they bonded mm. a lot as, as sort of, of players. So it was, it was very, very fun. It actually made me think it was actually more fun than I think I anticipated and made me even more excited about D&D in a castle. <laughs> Oh, like, wow. If that was even possible. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, Did you play yeah. music as well? Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I had the full. I had the full shebang. I had some lights going on behind me that oh, I would nice. change uh, depending on the mood uh, and stuff. You, we had battle you, maps. Wait, uh, do you mean that you had the full? Uh, Critical Role Campaign 3 setup <laughs> with with lights and music that you could change at the press of a button? Indeed, I did. Yes, Jeremy. Um, do you know, that's almost like a really perfect segue into what we're going to talk about today. Jeremy, did you plan hmm. this? Did you? Hmm. Did you? Did you, in, in, you, know did you inception my mind and plant this story about me playing 26 Hours of D&D? Uh, much like DMing, you, you learn to see opportunities to insert the thing that you want to happen. So <laughs> yes. the, 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 we get close enough. Cool. Bam. Here we go. There it is. There it is. <laughs> oh my God. This is the wrong dungeon and the wrong dragon. <laughs> Full Prince vibe. Woo. <laughs> this makes them even more black. Cake glitches and bitches. Lands in the cusp of a teaspoon. into something real big now. Speaking of Critical Role uh, uh, Season 3, Campaign 3, uh, whatever it's referred to, uh, we are back with a topical episode about said thing. Uh, it's been a minute um, since we've done one of these. Uh, but we Was the last we would... one Fishboy? Was Fishboy like, the last one? Yeah, maybe. Maybe we've just had our finger... I don't know if we've had our finger off the pulse or if it's just been a slow... I think there's you been a lot in the world, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there's been a lot going on. And and I think it, we deliberately didn't do a TSR episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that we was have, the other thing. We decided <laughs> to uh, ignore that, uh, that, that little soup. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we were just like, nah. Nah. That's, nah. that's not the broth we want today. Yeah, that, we were um, not feeling that. Yes. Uh, so yeah, we're back to talk a little bit about. Um, there's been a little bit of uh, controversy, Jeremy. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, the sort of first, I think, 
a bone of contention for some people involved the actual campaign setting for yes. Critical Role uh, Season 3. Yes, um, their third campaign. Yes, and I think the... Um, the basis for this campaign is in the actual cultures of Southwest Asian and North African cultures. So it's yes. very much worth saying that they are very much drawing from those cultures specifically uh, and including those in their campaign setting. Possibly that, even right? the region itself, I think. I, 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 there's a jungle, which apparently mm, also yeah. means they may be taking some influence from like India in that part sure. of the world. Mm -hmm. But uh, they... It, Apparently, I, I think I don't uh, follow Critical Role super closely and I had not heard of Marquette prior to this announcement, but yes, I did some I have, research. Yeah. Did you see the whole thing about the Marquette having previously uh, had an apocalyptic event known as yep. the calam or known as the, the cataclysm? Yep. Uh, I remember reading that and being like, huh, weird. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't sound familiar at all. I, yeah, I, uh, have, <laughs> I had look. The, clearly, they had come up with this stuff like years. Yeah, before. Yeah, way before. And, uh, I, and look, I not. I'm not having, saying Matt Mercer stole it from us. I'm, I'm just not saying, saying Matt Mercer has a time machine and who listened somehow, to Outlaws and Obelisks, yeah. went back in time and decided to to have his own version. But there's a reason up. why he's so good at everything. There has to be a reason. It's because he has he's, a time machine. It's because Simple. he's already played these sessions multiple times. Yeah. He's gone through multiple iterations of each session already. In one version of reality, he was actually in Outlaws and Obelisks. Uh, yeah, as that, was, that was really cool. Although that was, it was a cool weird. one, yeah. Yeah, it's weird, though, that we ended up having you play Tovo yeah. after that. I think he seeded that in our brains. Yeah. Uh, Matt, he originally Matt Mercer, started through Black Conflicts. No. Um, <laughs> Puppet Matster Mercer. No, it doesn't really. No, nah, it doesn't nah, really work. No, no. Um, Wait, Matt Puppet Mercer? No, oh, okay. Well, yeah. happen. Anyway. It's still a stretch. It's still a stretch. Please continue. Um, so yes, uh, so uh, so Marquette is a region, uh, a uh, southernmost region, which is... Uh, which was referenced in previous campaigns. Um, and I think there were characters and things that were from Marquette, which were uh, referenced uh, uh, quite a lot. And so they have moved uh, this campaign to this region, uh, which is based very heavily in the actual cultures. And it's worth saying um, that basically uh, part of the decision, they had uh, 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 sensitivity consultants, etc., on board with this new campaign. Um, and I think this is an interesting place for us to start. I think we can start here before we get onto uh, any kind of other talking points, which which is to say, yes. and I'm interested to get your take on this, which is to say, where do you arrive on this? Because I think there are two kind of interesting thoughts here. Sorry, did you want to jump in quickly? Well, yeah, what I was going to say was, I think we should say for anyone who doesn't really follow this, uh, basically the issue with Critical Role, the, the issue that people had at least with Critical Role doing a campaign in a setting like this is that every person on the cast is white. Yes, so they were doing a a campaign setting that is clearly based on non-white cultures. Yep. And all the people in the cast are white. Yep. Uh, th there used to be one uh, person of color member, but they were removed early on for a variety of very legitimate reasons. Yes, uh, very legitimate but, reasons. But since then, for the vast majority of the life of the show, it has been an all-white cast. Mm -hmm. And that is why people were on in some cases, people were upset. In some cases, people were merely very skeptical, uh, saying that, like, this seems like a bad idea because mm -hmm. there are there are going to be inevitable, inevitable missteps. 
Uh, they're going to some people are like they should be using this as an opportunity to try and center more people of color. Mm-hmm. So maybe adding people of color into the main cast mm-hmm. uh, or even swapping out members of the main cast for people of color. Uh, maybe bringing in a new DM. I've heard all kinds of different ideas yeah. thrown around. Well, well, this is this is kind of where I wanted to. I I wanted to boil it down to two kind of options, and to go even before they even uh, like announced this whole thing, which is that it's quite clear that obviously they've been working on a source book for a while because the source book is coming out like next March, and mm-hmm. there is no way I don't think that they decided this like six like you know six months ago like this has clearly been in the works for a minute like source books would take a long time to to create mm-hmm. right so um and so and i should imagine that was a conversation that happened with dungeons and dragons with D uh with with uh, wizard of the coast sorry that's what i meant to say and mm-hmm. so for me um and this is tr- me trying not to speculate too much but i would be surprised if there wasn't a conversation had in which they were like look whatever next source book we do uh with a new like in, in a new setting we we want to have it in a more uh uh like a norm a, a non-white um uh, like yeah non-white non-european non-european uh, outside of the norm yeah outside exactly. of the norm of your classic high fantasy and it's quite possible that in whatever contract they had going that that, that was that they already knew that the next one they were going to have was going to be with critical role etc etc there's a whole lot of things that could have gone into this decision is part of the thing i'm saying so yeah and part of me is thinking as a person of color i welcome this i welcome the fact that critical role being the premier show which is vastly more popular than any other show and in some instances more popular than the game itself which is truly Mm. wild but it is Mm -hmm. kind of true they have a truly ridiculous amount of people uh that listen and interact with that show so part of me goes wow that's amazing that we're now getting that showcase that there is now a you know we're now going to be showcasing Dungeons and dragons in a different light and uh you know the artwork's going to be different the 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 look the music the you know all of those things we've discussed on the show before is going to be different and then uh but then there is another part of me that exactly as you said, thinks this is an all-white cast um, and uh, that therefore does that decision then become tricky. So I want to know kind of where do you land on just the idea of them choosing to do this setting? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I am an advocate of people who are not from specific cultures or groups trying to explore those cultures or categories of people uh, in TTRPGs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, from what I understand, for some people, uh, maybe not from a racial or cultural standpoint, but perhaps from like a sexuality or gender standpoint, those kinds of explorations can be very useful for those people mm-hmm. in learning more about themselves. But uh, here's the catch: you need to be very careful with how you approach this stuff because it is very easy to fall into negative stereotypes or regressive stereotypes or just completely misunderstanding what it is you're trying to do. Like if you're, if say you're a straight person who wants to play a gay person in a game, uh, if you go into this game and you play your gay person in an offensively stereotypical way, yep. just because you think that's how gay people act or every time they engage in any sort of homosexual activity, you are playing that for laughs mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than as like, oh, yeah, this is just this person is interested in this other person. Yeah. Uh, then at that point, you are just participating in basically further harm or at least per- perpetuating negative ideas about those groups. Yes. Um, and so 
I think that uh, while I think it's great that Critical Role is doing that and that the biggest show in D&D is trying to diversify in that way, I think I would have potentially advised against it uh, unless they were going to do something very specific to address the lack of diversity in the cast. uh, I would have probably said, look, there are going to be inevitable, inevitable missteps Uh, Mm there is going to be inevitable blowback. Uh, Mm -hmm. and while I don't think there's a problem with making mistakes, uh, I think in a case like this, with this much heat on you, it might be a good idea to try and mitigate that by saying, okay, let's, um, maybe let's have Matt work on this setting with like another DM. I'm just spitballing because I'm not even Mm. sure what an elegant solution to this would be. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, I think we've Jasper, would you agree with me replacing any member of the main cast while potentially could bring in more diversity? Sure. Would come with in in just as many, if not more problems in terms of backlash from the fan base. Yes. And and Uh, I think also outside of that, I think that it's a bit of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation with that specifically, mm -hmm. because I think is I I I, because I've heard a lot of discourse about this, and I a hundred percent am in the camp that as soon as they replaced someone, like actually long term replaced someone on the cast, um, which I don't think they should have to do. It's not in their prerogative to do. Um, You know, they're all responsible for the success of that show. Um, They are all a part of the show. Uh, Like there is no grounds of which for someone to just lose their. Job just because they're not uh, of color. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, that's that's a whole problem. But like, not only that. As soon as you did, I guarantee you, the same people that criticized them for it being an all white cast would probably say, "Well, that feels a little bit like tokenism that you've just yeah. plucked someone out of a job for no reason." It'd be very different if like something happened or there was an issue with a cast member or they had to leave for a job or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. That's an ex- that's an entirely different conversation. But if they just plucked Laura Bailey out of the show to replace them with me, I, yep. I, I, everyone would be like, well, that feels a little bit like uh, tokenism. Uh, and yeah. it would be an issue. And not only that, I, as the person replacing Laura Bailey, would be utterly terrified of, yes. the, <laughs> of, of the, the backlash. Uh, of the backlash because I'd be replacing someone who people love, etc., etc. I mean... Uh, Lord only knows. Look at the Star Wars uh, community. Is it the same? You know. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's they don't it's, even replace people. They just bring yeah. new people in, and people are furious. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I fully agree. They, um, it would be tokenistic, in my opinion, specifically to say, well, we can't do this setting unless we have a person of color, mm-hmm. uh, and then they fire one of the original cast and bring somebody new in. That would yeah. be tokenistic to yeah. me. Now. I don't think that's what most people are advocating for. Uh, I know that there are a lot of people who have issues with Critical Role having an all-white cast to begin with, uh, which Mm. I personally don't have an issue with because Critical Role did not have a casting process. Yes. Uh, If Critical Role, I mean, look, they are a corporation at this point. Yes, they have been for years. Uh, They are a multi-million dollar corporation. They have been for years. Mm -hmm. But Critical Role did start out of a home game. Yeah. It was a home game among people, most of whom had never. It wasn't even D&D originally. But when they made it a show, they just were like, oh, let's take our home game and make it a show. Is it a home game anymore? No, but it still has that vibe in some areas. And I think that's a huge part of the appeal for a lot of the fandom, that illusion of it being a home game. Mm. 
Uh, but I think even but, if you yeah. take the, the the argument of the home game out of it, I think you still arrive at a place where you go, well, this is still a group of people who have jobs, who are, and this is their brand, their overall brand. It is these people, uh, this list of people. And hmm. w- w- however that like uh, uh, um, came about, like simply to just replace them or to get rid of them for no reason other than the fact there isn't people of color there is for me, it's just regressive in the same way that it would be if, you know, I'm sure there will come a time uh, or there will be uh, or there will be people who say to us, oh, we, we don't, you don't have enough Asian representation uh, or or enough, mm. you know what I mean? Like that you could level the same yeah. arguments about nearly anything that has uh, a nearly exclusive group of people. Now, yes, there is a lot of uh, of all white things out there. Um, yes. But I think that in this in this particular instance, which is why again, which is why it could be argued to be a problem in the first place. Yes, is because most of the big shows are either mostly or all white. But that's exactly this. And this was a, this was a point I was going to make. And I, I mean this to level uh, 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 um, I don't want to level criticism at anyone, but there has to be some reason and correlation as to why that is the case, right? There has to be some reason and correlation as to why that is the case. I think mostly it's down to representation. I think we're seeing more shows come up now uh, and more shows become more popular who have uh, more diversity. Uh, but again, I don't know. Uh, I don't think there are other shows that come close to being as, uh, you know, all black, all Asian, all whatever, uh, mm-hmm. as we have with with majority white casts like yeah not even remotely not even remotely, not even remotely. Yeah, yeah, i mean yeah. this show wouldn't exist if we did yeah literally because we'd have been like oh cool there it is <laughs> yeah. we probably would have just would have just chilled and left <laughs> yeah most of the people who would be who are listening to this right now would not be listening to this if the market was already filled with uh with black run or pe- people of color really black specifically because we mm. are a black show but yeah. like if you had all of these if you had like 15 really high profile all black TTRPG or even specifically D&D shows mm-hmm. uh, that this show wouldn't exist. And most people, we wouldn't have gotten as much attention as we did. Yeah, uh, and as, we, as much as we have. I have a question, actually, because you mentioned yes. our show. I've been trying to reframe the argument to see if I can if, – if I just have implicit biases that I haven't questioned. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think. So imagine a scenario in which we at Three Black Halflings, rather than having two men and a feminine presenting person uh, – because Unati's pronouns have changed. But uh, rather than that, it had just been three straight cis dudes. Yep. Now, I think it would have been valid for people to say, hey, it would be good to have another perspective on your show. You keep talking about diversity and you don't have it in the makeup of the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that I think I would want to do something. I think that would actually be a fair criticism because it's yes. like, well, it's in your show, bro. Yeah. Um, I think in a case like that, what I would want to do is add more cast members in and yes. make it like six black halflings or something <laughs> where we have six? like we we add like so three unyieldy. six. Yeah, my if, word. You could have gone for four would, or five. But wow. The, the today the today I am joined by would be legitimate because we would just be like, cool, we'll have as many Who of knows? the cast as we can <laughs> uh, and we'll just have as Yeah. But I think try and add basically more voices mm. uh, who fit those categories. Um, and be like yeah you're right we're missing this input now in the case of Critical Role they already have a cast of seven they did start with eight Mm -hmm. they did start with eight and one of the people was a person of color yep 
they theoretically and maybe the boat has mostly sailed on this, but I don't think it has actually because of the current season um, in the current. They could have added an eighth person who is a person of color at some point. I think they now, did for a while. No, we um, did have. Uh, let me just double. They've check. had guests. They've had guests, they but had they've a, never a had guest long on, on term. This, I think on this particular season is what that's what I'm about to say. say. That's right. what I'm about to say. I don't know. The, I don't know. Uh, I think his name is Robbie Draymond. I that's do not know if he yeah. is himself a person of color. I he looks kind of ambiguously tan. So I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't say that he's not. Uh, I really don't know. Oh, Robbie Damon. Excuse me. Yes. Robbie Damon. Um, uh, he identifies as uh, multiracial and indigenous. Okay, well, there you go. He is, in fact, a person of color. So they do have a person of color in the cast. And seemingly, the response to him has been very positive. Yes. And in fact, the he was included very briefly, very, Mm. very briefly. But he was included in the video that was the prompt for us making this episode today. Yes, yes. Uh, should I go ahead and say? Should I go ahead yeah, and segue yeah, right we, into we can, it? We can absolutely talk about this. I just wanted to very quickly say on that particular subject. Um, once again, though, uh, someone on our Discord pointed out, and I apologize that I forget the name. Uh, it, had they replaced a member of the cast with Robbie? Blood on the streets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was the phrase used yes. on the Discord, and I thought it was very appropriate. I think that um, might have been Nandor. Yes, I, I think it was that. Nandor. Uh, blood blood on the streets. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And I think that that is... And, and much think, of it would have been Robbie's. Yeah, yeah, and I think we have to acknowledge where we are when we are talking about these things, because I quite often find that when we discuss kind of our idealized versions of things, I'm all here for it. I'm all here for like identifying what is the like best version of things that we could possibly imagine. But we have to also live in a sort of realistic world. Uh, and we mm. have to understand that there are certain boundaries that are going to be in place, i.e. that if you have this huge fan base, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> there, is, there is a full cat royal rumble happening in the back. <laughs> if you've been hearing any like weird popping sounds in this episode, <laughs> it is because there are cats. Uh, I'm in a house with cats, two cats, and the cats are feeling it right now. And they're like walking around and they're have they're having some good claw sharpening exercise like <laughs> sessions here. And as we're having this conversation, two of them have jumped onto the futon behind me and are fully that both of them are fully fighting each other. And now <laughs> one of them has jumped down and is attacking the blanket. Uh, next to my foot. It's absolutely, absolute chaos. It's, um, it's amazing. Anyway, I think the cats are telling us, let's move on and talk a little bit about this, uh, this here little video that has caused a bit of a stir. Yes. So uh, recently they, I think, what was it, a day or two ago? Uh, yes, it's worth saying that we're recording this on the 14th uh, of December, Tuesday the 14th of December. So yes. that is the information that we have on this hot and live topic. So therefore, yeah. if there is any more uh, that is said one in between this, us recording this and, uh, and us posting this, uh, then uh, that uh, please excuse our ignorance. It is m- merely a time delay uh, rather than um, sort of uh, a choice. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so it was three days ago according to YouTube, they posted their cool little uh, campaign opening title video. Mm-hmm. It's Thursday night. It's a new Critical Role theme that they wrote and recorded with the whole cast in this very elaborate video yes. uh, that they that apparently spent three days filming. Mm-hmm. Um, and Which is frankly it, impressive if you look at the actual video. It's a, it's a, like it's a well-put-together video. It looks very good yes. for three days. I'm, for a filmmaker perspective, impressive. Well done. Yeah. Uh, However, 
it's caused a little bit of a stir because especially in the first half of the video, because it really barely comes up in the second half. Mm. Uh, by the way, if you hear thumps, uh, the cat that was playing with the blankets has now grabbed one of her toys and is throwing it up in the air and <laughs> leaping to try and catch it. So uh, there she is awesome but <laughs> that is what you're hearing i do i'm a big fan of this cat uh everybody give a shout out to yona she's amazing but <laughs> yona the cat is having a great time with her little <laughs> stuffed mouse toy um but the uh, i love that this is i love the cats are determined to provide us just the right amount of comedic foil for what yes. could otherwise be a serious uh episode <laughs> uh, they're reminding us of the uh, shenanigans that we have to get up to on this show uh yeah. is this a black cat i hope so um she's she's i think tortoise shell oh, okay but this but is the brown, cat behind, Oh yeah, the, the cat behind. She's mixed. She's, yeah. mixed. she's mixed. She's mixed. She's, she's mixed race. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But you know what? You know what? Uh, as any black person, in, at least any American black person, will tell you, people will tend to still assume you're black. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so anyway, please continue. <laughs> yes. Um, so she, there was a point at which she had deliberately knocked it under a large uh, seat <laughs> and was like, I guess, challenging herself to pull it back out. It's great. This little stuffed mouse. Anyway. Um, this video in the first half features uh, segments of the cast in what appears to be a jungle environment, mm -hmm. uh, all wearing, let's be real, or what I think you could, there are two ways to describe these. And I think both are technically true, depending on which, which what context we're saying. Yeah. But uh, the outfits that are, I think most Americans and possibly most Brits as well, I'm not sure, yep. Yep. would tend to associate with something like Indiana Jones or The Mummy mm -hmm. uh, or what is it? Uh, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, uh, explorer, adventurer outfits like 19th century, early 20th century explorer, adventurer outfits. Yeah. They also happen to be the same outfits that white colonizers wore while colonizing various parts of the world or parts of the world that are more tropical or have more vegetation uh, of that kind. Mm -hmm. uh, and while look, if if they had done this in another season, they probably still would have gotten criticism. The fact that they chose to do this specifically for the season mm -hmm. in which they are doing a setting based on Southwest Asian and North African cultures and environments uh, came across as being insensitive at best. Yes. I think to most people, or at least tone deaf, perhaps yes. tone deaf is the best way. I, yeah. I think the, at least in our discord and I think amongst us very clearly tone deaf. Mm -hmm. This is something that like if the, whoever's let this slip through must be kicking themselves mm -hmm. because it's it's like, guys, it's I think. Yeah, I think it like this is one of the things that I think is worth saying, like right at the top of this, which is that we I think are like having met Matt and um, having. Uh, like heard a lot of stuff around the show, etc. Um, and it would seem from the reaction I've seen on on sort of Twitter and stuff that um, I like to operate from a place of like best intentions, and I have absolutely no doubt that there were best intentions here. And hmm. I think that it is so. From that perspective, I think it is absolutely worth saying you're right that it feels like a sort of a bit of a a, a tone deaf and a, a mistake, a, a a kind of an earnest mistake. Now that does not excuse um such things <laughs> however it's a, it, look you got it's it's fat because you got to call it's a spade wrong. a spade do you know what yeah, i mean you got a mess you're done goofed you're done, you're done goofed. goofed um 
And I think that what is interesting here is because they had uh, sensitivity consultants. And I would wonder, was there someone brought in for this video? Is that something that was potentially just a blind spot for the creatives on this occasion when making a video like this, where maybe they didn't actually think to consult uh, someone in this particular instance? Um, mm. I, I think that this is an area where uh, transparency would have been hugely helpful mm -hmm. because we have heard from Critical Role that Matt has spoken. I think Matt himself tweeted that he was talking to sensitivity consultants and yep. working very closely with them. And I think I've heard I've seen one or two of them named, I think. Right. But I haven't actually they haven't gone into detail about what was discussed yet. Mm -hmm. And from what I understand, uh, I haven't been listening to this season but from what I understand, so far, at least from the people I've spoken to, they said this season doesn't even really feel particularly different in terms of the environment or culture than right. the other two seasons. It's except for one mention of a jungle. Uh, in fact, one friend said it sounded like they were deliberately avoiding trying to bring that in stuff in at first. Right. Like, it, um, actually, friend of the show, Ryan, uh, said that hey. when he listened to it, it felt like they were, it felt like they were like, yep, and over there's the jungle, but here's the city of spires. <laughs> I just want to <laughs> focus on the stuff that kind of setting agnostic as much as possible mm. is mm. spires and people in the spires. I mean, even uh, jungles so we've been to jungles before in Critical Role. Like I did, yeah. You know I mean? which, I, which I think is it probably adds some credence to the idea that they're potentially just like if they are, if if it is something they are scooting past. Um, the cat fight has resumed. <laughs> Sorry, the cat fight is just it is real. It is real. <laughs> <laughs> there is going to be blood the other, here. The other cat is named Yato. He is a he is a hefty black cat. Mm. Uh, he's he's fifteen pounds. Uh, which is a, sto a yeah. one stone, one pound, I guess, yeah, for Brits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what would that be, like seven kilos? Yeah, he's a hefty for, boy. Uh, for most of the world. Uh, Yona is notably smaller mm. uh, she, than him. She's giving it a go. She's she a has, go. she's a firecracker, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that the, because I think ultimately, so I have, a, I have a few thoughts. I have a few thoughts on this, which is that I think that the, um, I think there are several ways that you can look at it, and I think that quite often we like to draw intention where perhaps it is not. And so mm. I think I've seen some reaction, not all. There has been some really, really incredible uh, points made, and um, where possible, uh, it would be great to try and uh, highlight said points. Um, because there have been some very, very uh, kind of eloquent people who have phrased exactly why this is an issue, uh, and uh, you know the references for these costumes, etc., what they mean, yada yada yada, and so um, kind of outside of that, I think that, and I was sort of talking to this, uh, I was sort of saying this last night when I was trying to sort of. Uh, come to terms with everything and be like, well, how do I feel about this? Because I didn't, it, I, I will completely honest, I had a blind spot here in the sense that I watched the video and I did not pick up on this at the beginning. I, it mm. did not make me feel like that. I, I, I watched it and was like, oh, that was a really cool video. And then I went on my day and then it was after it was pointed out, I was like, okay, right, how do I feel about this? And I think I have to believe that it, there was no intention for the, it, put it this way, if they intended for this, for them to be dressed up as colonizers, <laughs> Oh. Going into a jungle or exploring the sort of uh, wastes of, a, of an ancient civilization and stealing all of their uh, items, then we have a whole different conversation. Do you know Even what I mean? You saying that has riled the cats up. <laughs> Do you know what uh, I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's. And but so, also, but conversely, 
we should also say them just straight up dressing like people, just random people from those cultures. This might be worse. Exactly, like, exactly. And I, but I think this, oh, but I think no. you, but I think you've highlighted the core of the issue here, which is that what seems strange, and I think what people have pointed out very eloquently, is just why. Like what? Like they feature in their own clothes in some parts of the video. They feature in yeah. these clothes in some parts of the video. It doesn't feel like they're. And bear in mind, this is a fantasy setting. This is not a setting in the like eighteen hundreds, seventeen hundreds, or uh, um. And they are explorers or anything. It's not like there is a reference. Like what other people said. Oh, it's like Jumanji. It's like uh, uh the Mummy. But what do those things have to do with Critical Role? Like there is there is yeah. nothing. There is no reference at all. And so. We have problems with, you know, potentially have problems with things like Jumanji or uh, mm. or the Mummy in or the way Indiana that Jones or honestly. Indiana Jones very specifically uh, in terms of what they're doing. Like it's people the actual raise, content of what they're doing exactly. Yeah, it, it, same thing with the Mummy. Like a lot of these are very much like, oh yeah. Honestly, you could probably criticize Jumanji for similar things, mm. even though they're not stealing stuff. So the way it's like, oh, this evil game that's jungle drums and all this stuff, yeah. kind of like, hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but the it, it's the like the fact that in in Indiana Jones, he's the first thing we see him do is sneaking into an ancient temple mm. and stealing an idol from it. Yeah. And it's booby trapped. And there are people who, even if they don't live in the temple, clearly live nearby because there are people uh, there. There is he's chased by them. Yeah. Uh, and I think one of the other guys made an alliance with them so that he could get the idol from James. And, and from the depiction Jones. and the depiction of a lot of those people are, you know, not, not, great. not great in any way, shape or form. And so I think that is that is where the kind of strangeness of this lies for me is that. And this is what I think it happened is I think they were like thinking about the look of the video. They went, we're going to build this cool jungle like uh, uh, old set and we want to. And, and they went, oh, imagine these cool costumes that we could put everyone in. I think that is as innocent uh, as it is. I, I, there, there is no evidence I have to suggest that they went anywhere near intention with this. Yes. Uh, if you've been hearing thumps, that's because they have taken the fight from the couch and are now careening it's now around w, the apartment. W, WWE style. <laughs> yeah, this is like this is turned into like that James Bond fight from Casino Royale, where he's like <laughs> multiple <laughs> levels. Through. Yeah. yeah, just crashing through all <laughs> over like the Soul environment. Did you ever play the Soul? Is it Soul Caliber? No. Yeah, Soul Caliber oh, yeah, games. Yeah. Where, where like, like you can punch, punch somebody someone through, through and like you a move wall, to go into like a new area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Uh, so as the cats punch each other through onto the Critical Role soundstage, in which we see yeah. uh, Matt Mercer in the full kind of explorer, kind of what even is that hat? It's it's very very evocative of Indiana yes. Jones and uh, that sort of yeah, thing. And that and uh, and Tarzan as well. Yeah, it's like the hats they're wearing in in the animated Tarzan specifically. Yeah, um, it's yeah. Uh, it was it was. I think this is a place where it's like, oh, you guys have some biases. That were mm. uh, maybe not examined. Because I wouldn't even I wouldn't honest, even know if I'd say biases. I'd say just blind spot. Blind spots. Yes, is a better word. I agree. Oh, I'm trying to look for the exact quote um, in our because we had a conversation about this in our Discord, and there was a point where uh, Gift of Gabe's was who is from the Global South uh, mentioned that as someone from the Global South, it comes across as being very hurtful. Mm. To see people dressing up as colonizers and essentially celebrating that culture. And where I'm where I'm saying there's a blind spot is and even for us, mm. uh, although I, I hadn't seen the video prior to hearing the commentary. So I don't right. know if I would have watched if I, I would have I noticed see. it. I do think I would have avoided using it for our show. Uh, <laughs> for sure. Uh, like I mean, I think if, yeah, that would have been a conversation money, for sure. If we had enough money to cut a full promo like that, I would I would probably just be like, hey, let's maybe not dress up in like colonizer outfits. That would that would be bad. But the, uh. <laughs> but there's something to be said for the fact that it just didn't even occur to them, because when they think of those costumes, mm. they think of like exploration, discovery, yeah. exotic locales. Yeah. And that's the problem. And there we go. Exotic that's, locales. That's all there, the problem. It is. Yes. there it is. Uh, they're like, we're doing this in an exotic place. Yeah. They, and a word that gets used, really, the, the term that we haven't used yet is Orientalism. Yes. And there's a lot of, I think, uh, clear Orientalist blind spots, if we want to continue using that word. Yeah. In, in the fact that they did this in the first place. Now, here's what I will say. If one of them had been wearing the outfit and had, like, gone into the woods like, ha ha, and then staggered mm. out. Uh, yeah, just completely yeah, yeah. Beaten up, and, the, and like every, yeah, and everybody else is like, "What are you, what are you doing?" doing? Yeah, like yeah. people look at them like, "Don't stop!" Like, just, or even just go. even if they'd done like a thing where like someone started in a fantasy outfit, and then we move from sort of fantasy to like Renaissance, and then we move from Renaissance to this, and yeah. then we move from. Do you know what I mean? That there was some kind of through and logic to the use of these costumes. I think it would have been left... Like, I think there's a really... Obviously, of course there is. There's a really great uh, article, which I will link in the show notes, uh, written by James uh, Mendes Ho, uh, Hodes, uh, which is called... James the- Mendes Ho. Dear <laughs> 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 Lord. Um, called The Giant Robot of Offense, which is basically his approach to um, uh, creating content online um, and uh, cr- sort of making media it, that uh, then can't be perceived or used in a way that could cause offense. And it's yeah. really interesting. The, really great article. A really, really great article. Very, very simple. There's also a video section as well if you prefer to uh, listen as opposed to, to read uh, through the thing. Um, and I think that the essence of that is that, you know, your kind of g- good intentions aren't, unfortunately, aren't enough. <laughs> and therefore, there is a, a certain amount of work that has to go into when you're putting something like this out. And I think that it is worth saying that for my uh, uh, sort of my money, uh, the fact that this was an innocent mistake does not absolve purely, and like not even purely because, but 
partly because of the size of your platform. You have to have an understanding of the size and scope of your platform when you do these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. That you have to understand that like the impact that these kinds of things can have and therefore and like how far reaching these things are. And it can be and it is very hard. But that kind yeah. of comes with the territory. You have to be willing if you're willing to accept the uh, financial benefits and the and the and the influence and the success yep. uh, and the adulation, etc., and the ability to set up the critical role foundation and yep. spotlight other creators and all the all the amazing great stuff that comes with it. You have to also accept this side of things, which is that you can't afford to make these kinds of mistakes. And if you do, you have to be able to hold your hands up and say, "This was a blind spot. We will do better." And mm-hmm. and I think this uh, uh, potentially leads us on. I'll let you jump back if you have something else to say. But potentially leads us on to the sort of general reaction to this because I think that this is something that is worth discussing. Um, uh, I did have one thing I yeah, wanted to it. quote. I, I can't quote Chen, uh, but from our Discord, I want to shout out Chen, who basically popped in and said, "I think watched a little bit of the video and was like, why didn't they just dress up as their characters?'" Yep. Uh, And honestly, if I've looked at pictures of their characters, none none of of the characters look specific, which is another interesting thing that Mm -hmm. in a in a in a game that is in this new setting, from what I understand, only one of the characters, maybe two are actually from that setting. Yeah. Uh, Almost all of them are new visitors to this area. Mm -hmm. Uh, Explorers, if you will. Um, (laughs) But but even Uh. the one who's from there does. I I, maybe it's my lack of knowledge, but nothing in the in the way that any of them are dressed in the official art reads as Southwest Asia, North Africa to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, They just they just look like normal fantasy outfits. Yep. And when I say normal, what I mean is essentially European, your yep. typical high fantasy D&D outfits. That's what they look like to me, which means that they could have just dressed up as their characters. Yeah. And we would have avoided all of this. Yeah. Because you could and have, it had, have even you been like soft touch. Do you know what I mean? If they, did, if they were like, oh, we don't want to do like full cosplay of our characters because we want to center yeah. like ourselves in this video, that's absolutely fine. You could do soft touch. You could chuck on a jacket of your character or do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, do, but if you literally, if you took every single thing from the video, kept it exactly the same, but changed the outfits to be something mm-hmm. evocative of their characters in those specific sections, yep. I don't think we would have had this backlash. No, no. And I think, and I, and and so I think, so then I think, then going into kind of the backlash, I think there are two very distinct things that is worth talking about here. Which is, first of all, that there has been uh, a few people online who have made some incredibly eloquent and very well reasoned uh, points. And mm. I think what is we all we all, we all know, and I think um, uh, one thing that I think is is very very tricky uh, mm. is that on. Twitter and other social media platforms. It you is could just nearly, say Twitter. Yeah, exactly. It's if nearly one impossible. One thing that's very tricky is Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> what is nearly impossible is to have a nuanced discussion, right? Uh, and when you bring forward a very cogent, very nuanced point, it is almost always taken completely out of context or taken as a complete assault or affront to the thing that you are talking yes. about. And that makes these things so incredibly hard to talk about because on Twitter and social media, that dominates our, our um, reaction to a thing. To the point yeah. where and I the, w- short, the, the lack of characters as well. Yeah, exactly. That you can, and, you can use. And I, 
I found myself in a very strange position yesterday where I really wanted to come out in support of a friend of the show who had posted, and I just didn't know what to say. I was like, hmm. how do I honestly go on Twitter and call for nuance? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's such a exactly. futile exercise. It felt like such a futile exercise for me. Yeah. And then it, and I think this is a part of a larger problem which we do not need to get into, but I think it's a, it's a complex uh, idea, which is how do we avoid only feeling comfortable enough to voice our opinions in these echo chambers like a podcast where I know that no one, mm. at least in the immediate sense, is going to react negatively to what I'm going to say. Whereas yeah. on Twitter, I was like, I just don't know if I'm going to phrase this right. I don't know if I'm going to make the situation yep. worse. I don't know if I'm going to make the situation better. I don't know if it's, if, if it's going to just have no impact or if it's going to, do you know, and it's, and it's, and yep. so you become, you get into this kind of like, situational paralysis and then the alternate side of that is where you don't you're not in a situational paralysis you make a very very good and cogent point and still you end up getting so much backlash and so much hate to the point where you have to come off twitter or you have to ignore or turn off your mentions and i think yeah, that start blocking people and i think all and whilst i think that this realistically is not something that we can affect and we can change. This is something that needs to be like, I don't know, legislative, uh, like government level and to get Twitter to and like social medias to change their rules. But that's a whole different conversation. That's but a very complex conversation. That's what I mean. It's a very complex conversation. What I'm saying, I think the one thing that we can do and the one thing that I feel like I... I needed to do is like we have to get into the habit of going away formulating our own opinions by looking at the sub like the topic as is rather than taking online discourse and saying that is the uh even if that is the overall opinion because twitter is real life we can't get away from the fact that even though it's a this ridiculous heightened version of it it is like it is people are typing those things it's not bots as much as we want to believe mm -hmm. that it is like evil twitter bots that are saying these things it's not it's real life like yeah. we I mean, for the most part you yeah, do get yeah, Twitter for the bots, most, but they yeah, definitely for the are Twitter part. bots but you know what I mean yeah um we have to be able to go away and formulate our own opinions of these things and like uh, and like the discord on both sides I think has been disproportionate because of the Twitter discourse hmm. if, if that makes sense when you say disproportionate do you mean like disproportionately emotional yes as I think like that, people like, are getting super people angry, getting super about... angry about any criticism of Critical Role, and then people getting super angry about the video. Where I think mm. that there probably was a middle ground here, where Critical Role held their hand up and went, "I'm like, we we understand what happened here. This was a misstep, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And yes, but even may, may, I like you don't know I mean and, have and, they and done that yet? No, but this is what this is nah. the problem. I think because the discourse has, has has elevated to a point now where it's almost spiraled out of control, it becomes very how it, you know. I I feel like if I were in their position, I would be in the exact same position I was on Twitter for three black halflings to be like, how do we yeah. even? How do we even begin yeah. to unpick this? I I uh. Hmm. Okay, so I have a few things to say. In regards to critical role situation, the nice thing is I would I would be stunned if this was not the case. They can afford and likely have PR people. Yeah. Uh which means that and really what and I'm looking at their their page right now, I do not see any indication of this, which I think is disappointing. Mm. Uh there should have been a comment saying uh, an official statement saying oh wow essentially to the effect of like you know what we hear that there are some criticisms uh from people in marginalized communities 
who were offended or hurt by part of our video. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go away and take this under consideration and talk with people from those communities uh, in order to try and figure out what the best response would be. But in the meantime, uh, we hear what you're saying and we think uh, we're not disbelieving you. Essentially, like we are trying to take you seriously. I think at the very least, the very bare minimum, uh, a response like that would have been appropriate. Yeah. Um, I think also some of the issue is not I 110 percent agree that uh, Twitter uh, and this has been said millions of times <laughs> at this times, point yeah. that Twitter is just not the platform built for nuance. Mm. It is ba- with how the site, Yeah, it's it's reactionary. It's emotional. They have short. It's designed for you to say small things, mm-hmm. small, quick things. Uh, people are more likely to respond to like pithy comments or something that's funny or something that's really emotional or big mm-hmm. uh, and quick and to the point rather than something that is long and nuanced and exhaustive. Mm-hmm. Um, Twitter and exhaustive just do not mix. Yeah. Uh, and so that is part of the problem. But I also think that a huge part of the problem is how people in general tend to engage in fandoms, because I don't mm. think it's a I don't think it's a social media specific thing. Uh, it's something that I have 100 percent fallen prey to. And I know that other people do as well. Many, many, many other people do, which is over identifying with a piece of media to the point where it becomes part of your fundamental identity, Yes, uh, especially if you are somebody who uh, was not somebody who uh, whose interests caused them to be marginalized in school or in various communities. Um, For me, that definitely happened. Uh, You then don't have as many opportunities to necessarily like you can become overly attached because you're like, well, this I really like this stuff. And you cling tighter and people are like, oh, I because you like that thing. I don't want to hang out with you, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's not just that there are other areas. There are sometimes people who feel like who are part of marginalized uh, groups who feel represented by pieces of media. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes people just have a tendency to over fixate in general or just fixate it very, very strongly in general but essentially you end up feeling like this thing is part of me Mm. and any criticism of this thing is criticism of me or part of who i am Mm -hmm. and so you get to the point where especially with uh when you throw parasocial relationships uh parasocial relationships into the mix you have a situation where you have people identifying very strongly with critical role which let's be honest a huge part of critical role's brand is built on their personalities yep is built on the per- the people. It's oh, a group of friends playing D anD. d They so people go even harder into the parasocial identification with those people, and they're like, oh, I I love these people. They're mm. like my friends, even though the critical yeah. role people. Even though they may appreciate that you're a fan, and that maybe if you met them, they'd be really nice to you. They have no idea who you are. In, in the vast majority of cases. Can I add they, something to this as well? Um, yes. Which is just, a, I think this is also a very, this is a unique thing about uh, like the sort of TTRPG space. And I'm sure it exists in a few other spaces, but generally like fandoms of this size don't have this level of interaction. They're not built ah. upon this level of interaction. Do you see what I mean? Like George which Lucas. Directly, you mean directly with the creators? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like George Lucas does not give a single 
you know, whatever you want to about someone's yeah. comments about Star Wars on Twitter. Whereas I don't even think he's on Twitter. Exactly. Right. Whereas whereas uh, the part of the building of this brand has been Matt and Marisha and Laura and whatever else on Twitter, yes. engaging with people, going to cons, doing uh, that like they are up there, like kind of in front of the group. And there is a certain expectation of kind of interaction between the two, which I don't yes. think happens in other other medias of this size. There is no way yeah. that The Rock has this much interaction. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? With all of his properties. There's no way that, uh, like, it doesn't matter how uh, kind of big or, or what kind of subject you want to go to. Like, it's a very unique mm. thing. It's the same with us. And I think that there is an inevitability when it comes to the size of a community where you will attract people or who have views um, that are uh, not, necessarily aligned with you you will also yeah. you will attract like it i was literally thinking to myself last night you could be a fan of this show because you like the main show uh where you like we talk about diversity and inclusion you could like the cub and the caterpillar which is a really kind of like uh, a very uh, magical and, and fantastical world set in in africa you could be a fan of outlaws and obelisks which is like a gun-toting western uh exciting fast action like you could be completely different people and be legitimate fans of this show. Do you know what I mean? People mm -hmm. that would never get along in the same room. So therefore, yes. like, that diversity in communities is always going to happen. So then when you exacerbate that to the nth degree by having a yes. huge fan by like Critical Role, then everyone feeling like those people are some way connected to you because they are so mm -hmm. close, or it feels there is the perception of being so close... It, mm -hmm. it, it is always going to happen and was always going to happen. I've seen a lot of criticism saying that Critical Role has somehow curated this community. And I think that is a nearly impossible thing to say because that is like saying we have any control over who listens and why they listen. We can't. Of course we can't. Of course we can't. These are all such interesting topics. I, I know there's, I so, there's first, so much more than we can. Like, we can I, I there's say like first, four episodes in here, I think. Yeah. I want to say first, there. Uh, it's not just TTRPGs. It's online media in general. Mm -hmm. It's a two-pronged thing. Part of it's social media making creators of any stripe potentially much more accessible by mm -hmm. the fans. See Anna Gunn, the amount of uh, abuse that Anna Gunn received on social media uh, for her part in uh, Breaking Bad as Skylar White. Mm -hmm. uh, see Kelly, Kelly Marie Tran for uh, The Last Jedi. Yeah. Oh uh, her role yep. in that. Yep. And neither one of those are are roles that re that res uh, excuse me. Neither one of those are jobs that require them to have close contact mm. with the fandoms. Part of that is just social media. And then the parasocial aspect of it is driven by online media in general because this is a big issue with YouTube as well. Mm. It's a big issue with any medium that relies on personality. So talk shows mm -hmm. get this. Uh, you get this a lot with YouTubers. Any vlogger, mm -hmm. anybody like who makes stuff where it's part of the appeal is it's them talking mm -hmm. to the camera or do you you're seeing them do things. People will be like, oh, they're my friend. I spend time with them like a friend. Us, part of the appeal yeah. is people listening 
listening to, and this is not just true for us, but it's true for a lot of podcasts. People enjoy listening to people talking and laughing. People will openly say the fact that the, that little mess ups and laughter yeah. is not edited out yeah. makes it feel more real and easier to get into because 100%. now you're like, oh, I'm listening to a really engaging conversation between people who like each other and, and who are relaxed a fun and thing who to are do. just having a good time and uh, exactly. talk about cat WWE. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's which, by the way, they've they've both retired to neutral corners at this point. Um, <laughs> it's but, now starting into the Cold War. Uh, we're yes. getting into that phase. Uh, <laughs> they're just shooting evils at each other and threatening to launch uh, yeah. toy mice at each other. They're going to start cutting promos soon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, Yona, fire on the mic. Fire on the mic. Uh, <laughs> just about to drop some heat. Yeah, the pipe bomb speech, the famous, uh, the <laughs> famous, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, CM Punk pipe bomb speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. her, man. It's all her, <laughs> her all day. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but anyway, that that is something that would have that that's something that happens, especially with online media and Critical Role being one of the biggest online media creators at this point. I mean, what they made twenty million dollars in four years, which something is like, just on Twitch, I think. Yeah, just on Twitch. Yeah, that's true. We're not talking about merchandising or anything like Ad, that. Ads, uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, very big corporation at this point. Mm. Uh, so that's something that you're always going to see with that kind of set up. Uh, but yeah, there's all, oh my goodness, to talk about the fandoms that you cultivate mm. is a really interesting conversation, especially for me as somebody who enjoys Rick and Morty, for example. Uh, and it, I, I, last I checked, it seemed that the creators had fully disavowed their own fan base. But this is the thing, uh, like, and I, sorry, even to bring it back, Matt did that on the show. Like, not disavowed, but like Matt said on the show how openly terrified he was of his own fan base for like making mistakes. Like, mm. it, like it, you can't tell me that that is something that they willingly would bring upon themselves is to receive this. It, you know, it's like, are there any are there any multi million dollar properties that do not have toxic fan bases? Maybe there's like variation in levels of well, toxicity. Well, I think it would depend but... on what you like. I, I think whether the creator perceives them as being toxic. I think that mm. is different. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Because then I think there you, are you could def- be a neo Nazi. I yeah. can imagine like a neo Nazi group where they're all really nice to each other. Yeah, I, don't, I can't. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. I can't inside, imagine it's technically not. Toxic. That's what I mean. I feel like <laughs> Joe Rogan probably loves his audience. Do you know what I mean? But I feel uh, like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, can't imagine. Well, he, although at this point, I don't even think Joe Rogan likes his audience. Well, okay, with the whole fine. Spotify controversy. Oh, I didn't even. I didn't see that. To be fair, that was an assumption uh, yeah. on my part. I'll take that back. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Joe, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, they, even I, I don't. It's they, yeah, I agree with you. There's a difference between like toxicity, like that the creators perceive yep. versus toxicity that everybody else perceives mm-hmm. or not just everybody else, but people outside of the specific groups. And I would perceive. say from the conversations that I've had and from all the evidence that I've seen, uh, including talking to people like from like NADPOD, for instance, I'm pretty confident in saying that the creators are generally on the side of most people when perceiving that toxic behavior. It is just that there is a limit to what said creators can do because i have seen creators actively call out these people multiple times to very little avail and usually all it ends up doing is getting a whole lot of heat pushed back onto them which i am as a creator in like who doesn't get this kind of heat at all 
I can absolutely understand the want and need to not put yourself in that, willingly put yourself in that firing line. Like I would yes. never say it is on an, like an onus is on a creator to corral their fans. It is not like, because unless they are actively choosing to encourage them or actively choosing to uh, kind of rile them up or, 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 or whatever in a particular way, then maybe yeah. I'd say, okay, yeah, you've got some responsibility to like calm down <laughs> this these people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It- it gets messy because, like, you actually, you could say the same thing about a lot of people who like uh, The Dark Knight and stuff like that. Mm. Um, specifically, it, I, I just had, like, a whole conversation in my head. Uh, but essentially, mm. uh, let me backtrack. <laughs> when you said you were talking about creators not really being able to control their audiences. Mm. And what's interesting is that is was when you see specific audiences being drawn to properties even if the property actually argues against that group. Yes. So you'll have yeah. you'll have groups like um uh Fight Club. The people the dudes who love Fight Club mm-hmm. are the dudes that Fight Club is making fun of. Yep. But they d- so clearly there was a disconnect between how Fight Club was trying to communicate its message and what large segments of its audience actually heard. Mm-hmm. Do, uh, does I don't know. I I have to read more theory and probably talk to more people on this. I don't know where you lay the blame for that. Mm-hmm. Do you say? I mean, if you're looking at um, if you're looking at James Mendes Hode's article, then I guess you would potentially lay the blame at the creators for mm-hmm. saying that they did not build the robot effectively enough. Specifically, the head. They didn't build the head effectively enough. Yes, possibly. Yeah. Uh, you could say uh, Attack on Titan, a show that I'm a big fan of and I know that you enjoy, mm-hmm. uh, has many many controversies and a large alt-right and or neo-nazi following Mm. even though i think anyone who has read or consumed the whole piece would argue or even most of it honestly would argue that it is very aggressively anti-racist anti-fascist anti-war but clearly a lot of that is not coming across to some of its audience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um the Dark Knight had uh, people. Some people took came away from that with like they they were identifying with the Joker. Yeah, uh, which is like, wait, I thought the Joker was supposed to be the bad guy. Clearly I not. You made Heath him... Ledger in that performance, but I mm. mean, because my, my dude killed it, he slayed it. He, but yeah, uh, he did. He crushed it. But but uh, I don't know if I like the dude, the Joker. Like he's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's kind of a bad guy. He's a very uh, bad guy. <laughs> and there 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 are umpteen properties you could name. Mm. Uh, a lot of people were criticizing kind of back in like mid 2010s mm. when we were everybody kept talking about like the golden age of television uh, and how every single one of these shows, almost every single one of these shows that were held up as like the symbols of the golden age of television mm. were about like anti-heroic white men mm. uh, like you're Breaking Bad. You're the Sopranos. Uh, you're um, Mad Men. Yeah. Uh, you're wa- the Wire. Suits, a little it? bit yeah. less. Is that L- well, I don't think Suits was ever put in that category. But oh, I know okay. the Wire. The Wire is a more mixed example. Mm. But you still have the issue with for the majority of that show, the protagonist. Oh, I was thinking about uh, Mad Men. Not the case. Yeah. Sorry. I was oh, thinking yeah, about yeah, Mad yeah. Men. Not, yeah. Yeah. I'm with <laughs> you. Because they all wear suits. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, the nominal protagonist of the show, at least. Mm. Obviously, you could argue the protagonist is Baltimore and the American system, sure. But ultimately, Jimmy, Jimmy McNulty is our view into this world for most of the show, and he is an anti-heroic white dude. Yeah. Uh, people were like, hey, maybe these shows, and you, these shows tend to attract a lot of toxic uh, ma- male fans, usually, who are like really sexist, uh, often racist as well, mm-hmm. uh, and they're fans of these properties which even if, if the creators of the properties, uh, Vince Gilligan openly said that the criticism of Skylar White and of Anna Gunn was sexist mm. on multiple occasions. Yeah. Was very unequivocal yeah. in how in condemning those people. And yet those attitudes persist. Yep. And so uh, the uh, this is just a bigger question that honestly, we should get somebody on the show to talk who knows more to talk about it, because yeah. I don't know the degree to which you blame the property or you blame the creators, because I don't I don't know yeah. how you I don't know how we like, yeah, exactly. If someone <laughs> turned around and like, you know, if there was some pretty staunch right wing views coming out of Outlaws and Obelisks, I don't know what we could have done or how we could have perceived uh, like that when in the creation of it. Do you know what I mean? Because again, like those kind of right wing views are big blind spots and I'm happy for them to stay big blind spots to be quite well, honest with you. Do you know what I mean? I don't yeah. want to think about those things. Um, I, yeah, I, so, think, I think it's one of those. Um, oh, what was I going to say? It's one of those situations where like. No, I lost it. Go ahead. Well, one thing that I'm going to say is very, very not helpful, Jeremy, is when um, uh, particularly former people who do no longer represent a company choose to stoke the fire by taking one sentient, sentient, very uh, eloquent and well thought out point and sort of holding it up as some uh, example to be kind of um, lampooned or, or, or yeah. uh, uh, criticized. This is, uh, without, this is perhaps of, the least complicated thing we're going to talk this about This is the today. least complicated thing, and I think we can... Uh, <laughs> it's just straight up bad. It's, 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 straight inc- up bad. it's incredibly Wrong. bad and honestly dangerous because we because yeah. uh, um, there was a particular example, I'm not going to name names because I don't think there was any need to give any airtime uh, to this particular incident um, because, uh, uh, because screw that person. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes, a, a former <laughs> member of the yeah. Critical Role family, uh, who left some months ago, yeah. uh, quote retweeted a very eloquent Point statement by a, a, a friend sp- of our show, yeah, a friend of our show, and a, uh, and a and a smaller creator. And I think this is where it boils over into being slightly dangerous for me, which is where I go. You have. Uh, to, you have to be aware of your platform when you have the number of followers, you have the, have the influence that you have. And what you end up doing is, in fact, you could risk someone's livelihood because you're, yeah. you're then, uh, you know the level to which your or that fan base gets riled up and uh, can be uh, aggressive or abusive. You've spoken about this in defense of other people on the show previously. Yes, and and I and that is what I find and so difficult. The, and then this individual is yes. weaponizing the fandom against because it was they didn't just quote retweet the individual. They basically mocked them. They quote mm. retweeted them to mock them, mm. uh, mock her. Really, are we good to say the name of the person? 
yeah, yeah, being, can, yeah, being yeah, wrong. Uh, Iza, who uh, is, she was in our D&D celebration game. She's actually, we're going to have a mini, well, I think a mini series that was already recorded by the time of this that's yes. coming out in January. And we have plans to work with Iza further down yes, the line. Exactly. Uh, but uh, Iza's great. Uh, and she basically said, look, these outfits are uncomfortable. She mm. actually was one of the people early on who was like, this is a bad idea. This yep. whole season is a bad idea. This is a bunch of white people playing in a non-white space and they are going. I the She's like, I could already see the Orientalism. I don't know that that's not exactly what she said, but it was like, this is, go, this is almost inevitable. The mm-hmm. fall is inevitable. Mm-hmm. And that now that it's happened, she came along and said, look, I don't know who didn't who, like how they did not recognize that this is very uncomfortable yeah. to see yeah. nothing. She did not come in saying and she did critical not, role is a terrible show. Yeah. She was not saying the fans of critical role are trash. She wasn't nope. calling for people to like storm their houses. Nope. Nobody was doxxed. Uh, nope. It was all it was she a very said was this cogent was, and very simple point, which was clearly it seems very strange to me that this what that this uh, point wasn't made to them when they were making this video. Simple. Yeah. She called them out for having messed up and said, I don't even understand how this happened. Hmm. Uh, none of it was hyperbolic in yeah. any way, in my opinion. Uh, and yet this individual former affiliate of the show then proceeded to sick the fandom on her, hmm. uh, which is uh, irresponsible, cruel, Wrong. There's a lot of adjectives uh, hmm. we could uh, assign assign to this. And the um, thing is, and the thing is, I'm willing to I'm willing to give grace to a certain point. But when you, like I said before, when you have openly spoken about how detrimental and how aggressive and um, uh, etc. that fan base could be. It makes it so much worse for me because I'm like, you know, to some extent what you're what you're going to do and what you are doing. Yep. And then on top of that, you are also in a place where you are um, you are perpetuating the very thing that in your um, in this tweet that they'd made uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, about be, people being uh, the left being oversensitive and criticizing uh, the, the sort of mm. way we do things, you're perpetuating that exact thing. Yes. So there is just a complete lack of self awareness in this. The tweet has since been deleted, uh, which again, a hundred percent clarifies that there was an awareness that this was it, the incorrect thing to take and try to defend it by yes. saying. And that a they small were, apology was offered. Uh, uh, but, uh, well, this it is the was po- not. Uh, and, this, and, and, I will, and I and I and I think it is really, really, really worth saying: never, ever, ever try to uh, distill someone's worth into the amount of followers, retweets, or likes uh. that they get. It is a really, really retractive and completely dismissive point to make. Okay, it is utterly ludicrous. Barack Obama are no longer on Twitter. Are you going to say that he's? Not an expert, and not a, a not a uh, whatever, but because he's not on, he doesn't have, he gets x amount of retweets. It's absolutely reductive and pointless. And this is what came with the apology. And this almost made me more angry because I was like, so you've acknowledged that what you did was bad, and you have doubled down and cho- and is uh, and are choosing now to actively uh, uh, criticize this person for a lack of followers. Yeah, I just it, it, that really got me, and I and I and I felt like we have to 
have to get to a point where we do proportionate responses. And especially if you have the platform, look, if some hat does this, you know, who's got, and, and, and look, this is where I will say followers are important. If someone does this who have 10 followers, I don't think it's acceptable. I don't think it's good. I don't like it. It's bad. But when you mm-hmm. have 190 or something, 1,000, this yeah. is really bad and really yeah. unacceptable. And this 100%. needs to be genuinely looked at and you have to look at yourself if i was to ever do something with our platform that openly called out someone in this kind of dangerous fashion i welcome people to call me out and i promise that i will listen in a calm manner and i will address it appropriately and this is what needs 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 to happen now and should have happened already and this individual also has a history of this kind of behavior. So I think that any sort of uh, claims of innocence, I mean, look, it, they should, they are already dispelled by the fact that this person has acknowledged the toxicity of the critical role, f- of elements at least, mm-hmm. of the critical role fandom in the past. Uh, but the, yeah, it's just, it's an absolute uh, travesty. And honestly, I would criticize also uh, Critical Role's PR team and the Critical Role team in general for not having, now it, and that's the thing. I, I think that that this situation. This. I think this situation has made it. No, I think they've absolutely heard about it at this point because they, actually, should, have, they should have said something. Uh, quite honestly, I don't know if the response, if the if there was even if the tweet was taken down and there was even an apology, if they hadn't already heard about it. That's I'm extrapolating, which maybe is unfair. I will knows? retract that because it is extrapolating, Critical. and I've told myself that I won't, I will not <laughs> do that anymore um, because it is unhelpful. But even if you take this on face value, this you cannot deny that this individual made their situation so much worse so much harder to deal with this could have been a very simple i look we see your comments we hear them we understand them this now becomes ha okay do we say this person doesn't speak for us do we like it it becomes a whole thing because this individual is still a friend and in at least one case Mm. a family member Mm. of people on the show Mm. so there's still that connection but you gotta look you have to pick a side uh, if if Unati suddenly completely went, went in the went complete out, opposite direction, went out right field, they, <laughs> yeah, went it would just was wild. started <laughs> popping off with some crazy views. Mm. We I think would feel it <laughs> necessary to, to step say forward something. and be like, hey, so we don't agree with this. Mm. We don't know what happened to this to Unati to cause all of this to, to where this is coming from, but we do not agree. This does not represent us. That sort of thing. I think. Yeah. I a hundred percent think that uh, Critical Role has failed thus far in that they have not stepped forward to offer a statement of any kind in mm. to in response not just to any of the criticisms to the video but to this specific incident itself. Yeah, and honestly, uh, I can't. I don't know if the cast members ne- ever said anything. I don't know if they did. Uh, yeah, I haven't, I, I haven't seen anything twins, but. Uh, of, of yet. Uh, like I said, we're recording this on Tuesday the fourteenth. So if anything has changed uh, by the time you're listening to yeah. this, uh, it is just a time delay as opposed to us uh, having avoided or missed something. Um, and I think that I think the last point that I would make on this is like genuinely, I would love to talk to someone from Critical Role about this. Like, I would love to know. Mm. I would love to talk to Matt about the new campaign and the the reasonings behind doing it. And um, because I do genuinely believe them, uh, the the people that are are there uh, to be for the most part very good, well intentioned people. And uh, I think they probably took a lot of, if not most of, the correct steps in uh, creating this new campaign. This new 
setting, etc. And I'm sure that I'm probably going to love the new book. And it's going to have a bunch of new stuff in there that I will love and I want to put in my books. And it will probably help to diversify the space if there is going to be genuine uh, uh, things from different cultures. And I'm sure the people who wrote the book are going to be from a diverse background and it's not just going to be like Matt's book. Do you know what I mean? As was the, very much the case with um, The Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount. It wasn't just mm-hmm. Matt's book. It was There was a bunch, a very diverse range of people who worked on that book. But I would love to have the opportunity to talk to someone about this purely on the basis that we can stop dealing in speculation. Because I think that's always the yeah. killer for me, right? Is whenever there's the fact discourse, that they haven't been transparent. Exactly. Whenever there's discourse like this, there's always ends up there being speculation. And we have now people sort of, you know, uh, uh, not like uh, Iza or other people on, on Twitter who've made very, very good and cogent points on this subject. We now have people going to the extreme, you know, uh, and saying things uh, which I think are just kind of reductive and unhelpful. And we... And then, it, it, like, well, it's like, well, then we just gonna end up into a uh, into a, a, a mud fight. Do you know what I mean? And we don't need that. Yeah. We don't need. We could just have a very uh, simple discussion on this point. And honestly, like, honestly, I just cannot understand the reasoning. I know. I 100% understand the idea of wanting to defend your friends. I'm sure uh, I can understand the, the sentiment that if Jeremy, uh, if someone criticized Jeremy, that I would want to launch to Jeremy's defense. But I cannot and I would not ever do such a thing if there was, if I had, if I'd taken into account zero, uh, like taken on board none of the criticism that was being leveled at Jeremy. Do you know what I mean? I would have to mm. take that on board, process it, and respond in an appropriate manner, especially because you're in the public eye. It is a duty mm. because you're in the public eye to do so. Especially yeah. if I was then dealing with someone who was, had less or smaller platform than I did. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because then it becomes difficult, dangerous. I could be affecting someone's livelihood here. Yeah. And that's what true. I really, 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 really disliked about this interaction. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Uh, as we said, there, this is unambiguous. We hardcore condemn uh, the way that Iza was treated and mm. hardcore support uh, Iza and what she said. Yeah, please. And just yeah, in um, general. Uh, just please and, go, uh, go, go, go check. Go check her yeah, out. go check out Iza. She's uh, a TTRPG streamer, cosplayer, and generally da bomb diggity. Yeah, you can uh, follow uh, Iza on at uh, Evil Clever Dog on Twitter. So there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go give her some support, folks. Go give her some support, please. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, uh, this has been a um, uh, an interesting uh, point of discussion, and I think yes. probably not. I the don't last... know if you're hearing the the cat yowling, but I think uh, I did I think hear Yato, that. I thought it was Yato my chair. Is cutting. No, Yato has been cutting his promo for the past five minutes. Oh, okay, uh, and he's happy. Very vote. Uh, no, no, he's upset about he's... Uh, the way that the match went. She uh, thinks the count was too fast. He kicked right. out. Right, right, right. He right, kicked right, out, right, but right, they, right. they they said he was pinned anyway. Oh, man. Nothing worse. Nothing worse than sporting controversy. Uh, yeah. There's been lots of that, actually, recently. Uh, shout out to many, any F1 fans out there who uh, had to deal with this weekend. It was a, it was a struggle. Um, mm. But yes, I mean, look, this is a, this is a nuanced and probably ever-developing... Um, yeah. Uh, subject and I think that always we should have James just be a constant like a regular yeah, guest on I our think, show yeah, I think, so we I just think talk James, to him about all these I think ideas. we need uh, it's uh, actually to continue the sport analogy there is a thing in uh, on BT Sport when you watch the football when uh, the referee makes a big contentious decision they have a referee like an ex-referee in the studio who they kind of cut to cut to to like get their opinion because there's no like the referees aren't like mics so we don't really know what they're talking about etc and so like this like expert referee immediately 
immediately like just comes in and gives their thoughts. I feel like we need James to just always be on hand to just A, call us out on any of our biases uh, and bullshit, and then also B, to just be like, oh, by the way, what you're trying to say is actually this, and this is the, the better and more cogent version of it. Yes. <laughs> like, that's all we need, I think, all the time. Um, we just cut to James at the end of every episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. To do a uh, quick summary of all the things that we meant to say during the episode. Yeah. Um, um, we'll put it in a timestamp so you can skip straight to that point if you uh, <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be amazing. What would we call that, James? Uh, the James Chinwag? Uh, uh, we, or we could go with something like a uh, uh, um, JMH SMH. JMH SMH. That's good. That's yeah. good. Okay. Okay. I was thinking of like a play on Adam ruins everything, but like James improves everything. Oh, yeah. Or something. Yeah, James, like James fixes everything. James, James fixes everything. Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah, that's what I think I, that's what I was going for. James's workshop. Let's go over to James's workshop real quick. Yep. Let's get a uh, cut to James's workshop. James, uh can you hear us? <laughs> <laughs> Please save this episode. Please. Uh we're going <laughs> off the rails here. Um yeah. But uh, yeah, I think absolutely the we are but two people trying to sort of make sense of this situation from our perspectives. Uh, and uh, we've been having some discourse uh, over on our Discord uh, as well about all of this. And uh, it's safe to say that I have differing views to other people that I have seen. And I would genuinely love to hear yours on this topic. So if you, genu- if you want to get involved, if you want to get involved in the discussion, please feel free to hop over to our Discord or drop us a message. You can email mm. us at secondbreakfast uh, at t bhufflings.com uh, we're always looking to broaden our perspectives and we are very very aware that we're only ever working with our own perspectives and our own biases and much like Jeremy mm. said in the episode I you know we are we want to ask these questions to check our own biases etc um yeah so and if, if you are the person who was formerly affiliated with critical role and you've been listening to this mm. and you would like to quote retweet Jasper and I <laughs> uh, my social media uh, uh, but also if you're part of critical role and listening to this I, we would just love Please, to talk to you genuinely in general because I, I would love to understand what the process was yeah because clearly a huge amount of work was put into yeah, this and video like, genuinely so impressive this is it's such actually, a like a it's lot a sick of it's video. Really cool. If I had made that video, for, I mean, there would have been a slight, you know, I, I wouldn't have made that Some video. There was a small change. tweaks yeah. that would have happened. <laughs> I wouldn't have made that video. Yeah. But, if, <laughs> I, but uh, if I had made something adjacent to that video, yes, <laughs> I would have been super proud because it's a sick video. Yeah. Yeah, uh, from an artistic standpoint, uh, in terms of just sheer technolo- technical uh, execution, great yeah, job. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Uh, but it, yeah, I would be happy to talk to somebody from the show and indeed that one individual. But if you want to follow us uh, or quote re- angrily quote retweet us, mm-hmm. uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Jeremy Cobb one Cobb Ooh. with two B's. Cobb with two B's. Yes. And you can follow and me. Jasper, where can they find you? Yeah. yeah, at JW underscore Cartwright. You can follow the show at TB Halflings everywhere, um, Facebook, Instagram, yes. and the Twitter. Uh, and you can also find us on Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash TB Halflings. We're um, everywhere. We are We're everywhere, everywhere. Um, yeah. except for 4chan. We, We're not there. That's tr- <laughs> Well, I guess you can't really follow us on 4chan. Uh, I don't know how that works. Anonymous. I just. I think I have never used 4chan, but I have looked at 4chan pages. Mm. And from what I can tell, it's all anonymous, which is how you get some of the stuff you get. Ah, on 4chan, it's sense. all anonymous. Makes sense. Um, but yeah, if you uh, I think we're on everything currently except Craigslist. So <laughs> <laughs> we can be on Craigslist. That's we fine. can be on Craigslist. We, we, we got to add that. We can put some stuff up there. I don't know. Yeah. 
Oh, I'll sell a shoe I w- or something. Honestly, yeah. it, while creating accounts for us, I had not realized just how many porn sites there were for us to just try and join <laughs> those porn sites. And on that note, uh, <laughs> I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of Three Black Halflings. Pornhub.com slash D. No. Oh, my word. Slash DP Halflings. Uh, uh, Jade, if you're listening to this, please mute him. Um, uh, mute mute what he just said, and I'll allow the audience to dream uh, as to oh. what he just said. Uh, you should definitely leave that in. That's a classic line. Um, and we will see you <laughs> next week. So long, oh. Shire Folk. So long, Shire Folk. <laughs> What, what, what time is it? That is right. It's patron thanking time. Uh, I would like to give a huge shout out to all of the patrons that have joined patreon.com forward slash TV halflings uh, recently. And I want to give them some thanks. It is truly wild. The amount of patrons that we are getting at the moment. I cannot thank you enough uh, for all of your continued support. It makes the biggest difference to us on the show, as I'm sure you've heard me say before. But it really, 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 really does. So thank you so, so much for all the people that have signed up. And if you want to get your some more TVH bonus stuff then please head over to patreon.com forward slash TB halflings but without further ado here are the names of some amazing patrons I would like to thank Amber Wilson Joe Rowe the Inappropro hey we had your nickname today very very cool Talia Man Summer Rose Daniel Soto Mira Mira Cosplay <gasps> I know who that is. I know who Mira Mira Cosplay is. Hey, thanks for being here. Very cool. Dylan Irish. Uh, Tardigrade Sage. Dorian Black. Cal. Just Cal. The New Experience Network. In brackets, Harrison. Laura Bram. Disbleh. Disbleh? Or Disbleh? Anyway, moving on. Vinofan Sivia Palin. Very cool name. Ali, Kathleen Fredrickson, Shimshon, Adam, Zivi, Brendan Watroba, Kayla Allen, Becca Tizard, David Fryoff, Justin LeBlanc, uh, Ada Kinzer, EBK, and Justin Mitlina. Thank you so much for signing up to the Patreon. We love you so much. We hope you're enjoying all the bonus content. And... We hope that you have a truly fantastic day. Bye-bye. I meant so long, shy fuck. You know what I mean. Bye. That was a HeadGum Podcast.